We got a new series. Who's excited? We got a new series. Y'all, listen, this series has been on my heart for like two years. It's, it's taken many shapes and forms, but I've been waiting. This thing's just been cooking, sauteing in my mind and my soul. I'm so excited. It's called My House, Your Home. My House, Your Home. For the month of prayer and fasting, we're going to have a simple focus. It's tailor-made for HV, baby. Whether you live in a house or a dorm, an apartment, a condo, or something else, whatever you call home at the end of the night, where default you exist the most effortlessly. How many of y'all got an alter ego at home? You're like, ain't no one see me like this. <laughs> Dressing like this, acting like this, watching that, laughing at that. Ain't nobody except me. Just me and me, baby. No one gets to watch battle rap with me. It's just me. Y'all like, what's battle rap? None of your business. It's just me, baby. <laughs> that place where you walk in from school, from work, from running errands, and you turn off. Where your most normal habits thrive effortlessly. I want you to think about that space all morning, where you call home. For some of you, it's a bunk bed in a tiny dorm with an annoying roommate. If that's home, that's great. I think God's got something for you. That's the only example I wanted to give. I don't know why. <laughs> for others, you have a house, apartment, blah, blah. Okay. Where this all started, when I was 26, I lived uh, in a house with four bedrooms. It was me and three other dudes. And I kind of just stumbled upon a really special thing that, that led to probably my, like, one of my best spiritual formation years since I've been alive. And it all started, you know, in, a, in my bedroom. It, in my bedroom, originally, was a space where I'd walk in my bedroom, you know, change clothes, put my backpack down, get on, get on the bed, open social media, watch The Office, eventually go to sleep, wake up, change clothes, leave the bedroom. That was my bedroom. That was all the utility. Changing, Michael Scott, that was it, sleeping. And uh, I, I don't remember really what sparked this, but I, I ended up getting a dry erase board. And this is the most like 26-year-old single bedroom. It, don't picture a pretty bedroom. Uh, small, not pretty, not aesthetic, like a lot of furniture from not cool stores. And and uh, I got this dry erase board, which was also pretty janky, and I, I put it against the wall on the floor. So when I laid down, when I just like opened my eyes to wake up, I'd see it. When I laid down at my head at night, I'd, I'd just see it. And I started writing down prayers on it. And I just kind of made this goal, okay, when I lay down and I see that board, I'm just going to remember to pray. And that kind of started morphing into something. I, I ended up getting a journal. And at the end of every night, I'd, I'd write down everything I did that day. Not how I felt about it. I don't like writing. So I'm just like, I did this, 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 and this. And then I'd go read, thank you, Cody. I'd go run through that list again. And I would thank God for stuff that I didn't notice. You know, meeting with this person. Man, that person is special. They got a lot going for them. I, I'm looking forward to knowing them. God, thank you for them. And I started praying for them. You know, just little easy stuff. Not, not, not big, just like eight minutes of prayer. And uh, actually, it's like three minutes of prayer. And uh, then I got a Bluetooth speaker. I started getting into these really calming instrumentals, you know? Anyone like instrumentals, like just calm ones? Who listens to classical? There's a, I know, how do y'all do that? There's so many of you. 
I'd listen to Call Instrumentals, I'd light a candle because I had this 80-year-old professor of spiritual formation, and he'd light a candle before every class, Dr. Curtis, and he, and he would remind us, this flame means the presence of God is here. And that slow, quiet flame would remind you that the presence of God was looming around this table of eight students. I, I thought it was so profound. So I started, I started doing the whole thing, prayer board, journal, candle, music. I'd invite friends over, and I had an Eno hung up, which is just so, what, um, what, who was I? I'm just such a Belmont student, barefoot, walking through the grass with an Eno. Um, <laughs> do y'all still do that, Belmont? That, that used to be big when I was there. Uh, it's been like 10 years, whatever. So my friends would sit in the Eno, and inevitably, like, I just, I, I didn't mean for this to happen, but I, I'd, I'd, light, I'd light a candle, I'd play the chill music, me and my, me and my guys, me and my girls, whatever. And so many times, seriously, like at least five times, tears were shed. People just coming over to hang out. But there was something about that in that room. <laughs> like, and we'd just get into these really authentic conversations. And I had prayed over that room. And I had suddenly grown like this real spiritual like, presence in that room. And I kid you not, at one point, as I lived in that house, I would go upstairs. And as soon as I'd open my bedroom door, I just felt peace. And again, none of this was on purpose. This isn't like me preaching the sermons. This is like what happened. And I was like, I'm starting to anticipate walking into my bedroom door because it's the easiest place where I access the presence of God. That had never been my reality before. My reality before that was probably like you guys, maybe a house church, maybe a really good preacher. Sorry. <laughs> um, maybe some good worship music or something somewhere else at a big conference. But at this point, it was like, I can't wait to go in my bedroom. And, and I stumbled upon what I want to talk with you guys about today. If you're taking notes, your home can be used to your advantage. You need to know this about where you live. Your home can be used to your advantage like where you live, you can set it up and think about it in such a way that it will become a support system in and of itself for your growth as a human, like not even just talking spiritual growth, just as a human, your home can help you grow, but also in your relationship with God. And I don't even think it's that hard. Like that's what I'm realizing. Your home can be an ally to your formation for the better, and I think it's kind of easy as long as your environment is right. So your environment and the place you call home really matters. It's really important. And that's not just anecdotal. I went on a, a nice little internet black hole and was like looking into environment stuff. Like, why is it important where you live and what you do, blah, blah, blah. Let me talk about first your eyes, what your eyes see and the implications of that. There's a guy named Roger Ulrich, and this sentence is a mouthful, at least for people like me. He's one of the most cited and influential, evidence-based healthcare design researchers in the world. Now let me say it how I understand it. He's had the biggest impact on how hospitals are constructed. This all started with his story. He had kidney disease, and he had to receive treatment as a teenager some of his treatment would happen in the hospital. Some of his treatment would happen at home. And he recounts being at home, having this big old window, and there was a pine tree he could see through it. 
And he like fell in love with this pine tree because he spent so much time receiving treatment, right? So he'd just look at that pine tree and get peace. It's almost like he was getting to know the pine tree. And if that sounds corny, if you actually think about it, it makes a ton of sense. Like you're sick, you're receiving treatment, and all you've got is this life out there. And he just like falls in love with it. And he could swear as a young kid, like as a teenager, like, I swear I'm healing better when I get treatment at home and I can look at this pine tree. And he set out to prove it. And he did. Later on, as he became an adult, he conducted an experiment on 46 patients recovering from gallbladder surgery for two years, across the span of two years. These 46 patients received the same surgery, the same care, the same treatment. The only difference, the rooms they were placed in. Half the patients were placed in a room with a friendly environment, a view of trees and sunshine. The other half, no natural light, white room, bland, like a lot of hospital rooms. If you've ever been to a hospital, it's like, woof, the lighting. The first half with the view, they healed faster, they had fewer negative evaluations from nurses, and they ingested less painkillers. His conclusion was clear, the view matters. What the patients can see as they heal increases how fast they heal and how they feel as they heal, all because of what they see. If what you can see can make you heal from gallbladder surgery quicker, how important is what you see in your home? Does that resonate with you? I wasn't sure how that would get across because gallbladder surgery in a hospital is way different than like going home and watching TV. But I'm like, I think that's an extreme enough example where to me it's a common thread, like common sense thing, like, oh my goodness. What is around me when I'm resting is really important. How is what you're setting your eyes on shaping your physical health, your mental health, and your spiritual health. Matthew 6, says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Jesus talking, by the way. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Jesus is always ahead of science. <laughs> All right. Science always ends up just agreeing with the Bible. It's like, yeah, could have figured that out a few thousand years. All right. Uh, secondly, what about your ears? What you hear is crucial. We know this intuitively. If you've ever been in a loud room and you kind of get stimulated, you're like, uh, I, need to, I need it to quiet down, right? Like, do you want to be like by train tracks as a train goes by or do you want to be at the ocean hearing the waves, right? Which one sounds better to you? So intuitively, you understand this, but um, there was this research done by a German airport. A Cornell environmental psychologist, Gary Evans, and European colleagues conducted a long-term study of two years on a group of children before and after a nearby airport shutdown. For those that live near the airport and then it closed, they proved that noise exposure is consistently linked to reading deficits, and it may interfere with speech perception and long-term memory in primary school children. It also says the latest study is further evidence that exposure to chronic noise can have serious health, learning, and motivational effects in children and adults, things like stress, anxiety, depression, and high blood pressure. So if you have control on the sound around you, you should put a lot of thought into it. What you're hearing is shaping your health. It is forming you. 
what you hear in your mind, what you hear in your environment, all of that is shaping who you are. And so what I take from this, your environment is 100% fact forming who you're becoming. That is crazy to think about because so often as I'm going through my day, it's me forming me. My choices, my intentionality, that's not true. So many unintentional things in your environment are forming you whether you want them to or not for better, for neutral, or for worse. Who knows? Let's talk about it. What is surrounding you in your home, that place, that default place, if all you've got is a bunk bed and a dorm or if you've got a kitchen or a living room, like what are your eyes and your ears consuming all the time? Really, really matters. And so it begs the question, what if my house, my home, my dorm, my apartment, my condo was set up in such a way that it helped me thrive in my relationship with God. Guys, I am fired up on this. We look at our walk with God and say, I gotta read more, I gotta do more, I gotta do. Dude, like, there are some life hacks that we gotta get into. There are things you can do, simple things that will set you up to dwell in God's presence without trying to be some stereotypical picture of a Christian that you can't tend to get your hands on. What if my front door or my bedroom door began to represent a portal into the sweet presence of God? What if instead of when getting off work going, I am exhausted and I already know my kids are about to tackle me, like you saw that front door and went, man, I may have forgot God was at work, but I know he's here. As soon as I open this door, it's like there's like a waterfall. I just walk in and his spirit's just on me. His spirit's just here. What if your bedroom began to represent a place where you knew that the presence of God rested in that place? For so many of us, our bedrooms are a place of screen time, apathy, temptation, isolation, anxiety. So many of you right now, I know this is true. Your bedrooms have a negative connotation. God and you can partner and completely transform that understanding. And I want to be clear, this is not far-fetched. I'm excited, and I'm talking about it like it's some huge idea, big and far out. we got to charge the hill. I actually think this is really easy, and we're going to get it done. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Your house, home to the presence of God. And this will happen because God is gracious. He's kind. That's why this is going to work. His grace. But it will also happen as we invite it to happen. I'm convinced that God does not barge down our door and force his way into it. He goes, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You want to open it? You can. Joshua 24, 14 through 18. Theme verse right here, baby. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This is kind of like awaken. Put away something to give your attention to God. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then you need to choose this day who you will serve. 
whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. May that be our prayer this month. Far be it from us that we would forsake the presence of God for the presence of something else in my house. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord for he is our God. There's another one that I also wanted to be the theme verse. It's not technically, but it kind of is. This is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The Bible knows this, your house belongs to God and instructs you to make that very clear to yourself. (laughs) The presence of Jesus should be on your doorpost. The presence of God is willing and should be allowed to thrive in you and around you, in your family and around your family. I was around my friend on God, went to his house for dinner, this is several years ago sat in his living room and I noticed above the doorpost in his living room was this carved out wooden thing that just said, Jesus. It's literally while I got my Jesus tattoo with just the name of Jesus. Cause I sat, in that li- I sat eating food and I was just like, man, that name above your doorpost is like the most profound thing I've ever seen somehow. And I was never gonna be that scripture person. You know what I'm saying? In this house, we love, we forgive, we hug, we... Every bathroom, you know, you go in, it's like, okay, yeah, in this house we forgive, we get it, you know. Uh, No, it's cool. I know some of y'all have that, and I'm sorry for not being thoughtful just then, for real. (laughs) But man, I saw that Jesus thing, and I was like, man, that name is so profound. I like that name in a house. Woo! Whether metaphorically or literally, man, what if we had Jesus in our living room? What if we had his presence? So what this means, there is ground to be taken. Where you live, one of the greatest sources of encouragement for you. So here's my invitation. For the month of February, just for a month, please experiment with me, okay? Please say yes. This series will bore your brains out if you do not do this because I'm just gonna sit here talking about what you should be doing at home and you're not gonna be doing it. So let's do this thing, all right? Let's treat our homes differently. Let's begin to see our homes not as a place where we turn off, but as a place that can assist us in our formation into a place where we can easily access the peace and the still waters of the Holy Spirit. I got some goals for you for the month. First goal, less chaos. Less chaos. Less phones. Seriously. Less TV. Less YouTube. That's for me. I 
love YouTube. <laughs> I've spent about 20 hours looking up fasting and why it's awesome for health reasons this week. And if you want to talk about it, I can talk to you at nauseum. Less gaming. I, for, I don't play video games anymore. I forget how hard in the paint people go. I wrote this in all caps in my notes. I didn't call those things sin. It's fine. Calm down. You just need less. Maybe a lot less. Less chaos. Let's make this month about less clutter. Less mess for your eyes and your ears to be aware of. Whether that is like physically going, I need to finally get those boxers into that dirty hamper. It's been two months, you know? Too long. <laughs> it was too long after the first day, and here we are 60 days later, you know? If less messy means like, you know, get more organized. Give your brain less to be whatever, or maybe it's input. Just less mess less unorganization. Now, I'm talking type A and type B, so I'm not saying like you need to become type A, but just, you get it, okay. And then let's get some more of some stuff. For this month, make this a goal, more rest at home. More visuals and audio cues that influence you into healthy rhythms of peace and presence and rest. Now, listen to me. Rest is not just sleep, and rest certainly is not TV. Rest is quality time with God. Rest is enjoying friends. Hey, next slide, yep. Rest is making a meal that you love. Rest is reading a book. Rest is literally sitting quietly and letting your brain exhale. If you haven't done silent therapy, which is something I just made up, sit for 30 minutes and don't talk. You don't got to pray. I know, that's, that's good. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, thank you, Lord. I'm kidding. Uh, good, that was a good word from you. Uh, be quiet. Let your brain breathe. Rest is exercising, doing air squats or push-ups or burpees. Gross. Burpees are from the underworld. I hate those. Rest is learning something new. Do you know you're made to learn new stuff? You know your brain comes alive when you learn new stuff? About what? Anything. Literally, you need to be learning stuff. Not to be smarter. Like, it could be learning more creative stuff. Just stuff. No, no, no. Sit back down. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my friend, Micah. I love him. So I knew I could pull that off, I think. Sorry, Micah. Um, Rest is coming up with new ideas. Rest is setting goals and making plans to achieve them. Rest is setting consistent bedtimes and consistent waking up times, getting your circadian rhythm going. You guys need that consistency, y'all. It ain't just because you're this anxious person and you can't overcome. There's some simple stuff here, I'm telling you. Rest is setting goals and making plans to achieve them. Rest is looking at a lot, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, rest looks a lot of different ways, but make it a goal. I'm going to rest this month. I'm going to get closer to a real definition of what genuine rest is. Rest is not you going from one thing to the next, getting home late, and getting on your phone until you fall asleep, somehow overcoming the blue light. That's not rest. God wants you to rest. God's the originator of rest. That Sabbath word where he goes, hey, once every seven days, it all stops, all of it, completely. 
and you realize that the world does not depend on you, and you realize that your life does not depend on your productivity alone, and you take that day to prove it to yourself. God wants you to rest. Lastly, more presence, more awareness of God's nearness to you in the place you call home, more prayer, more worship, more Bible. The reason prayer, worship, and Bible can sound taxing to you is because you've yet to know the beauty of the actual living presence of God, and that invitation's right here for you. There is a world where when I say there is more Bible reading available to you, you don't feel queasy and think about how terrible reading the Bible is. And I'm with you. I feel you. There's a world where I say, man, you could spend an hour in prayer and you're not like, dude, like, cool, I'm glad you like that, do you? But like, no. There's a world where you know God on such a level where you're like, I'm excited that this day has concluded, that this great night with my friends has concluded, that I can get to my bedroom and decompress with the Lord. All right, so the vision for HV that I believe God's given to us is that your house will be home to the presence of God. So today's goal, first step. In order to go into this vision, we have to first know where our feet are currently planted. In order to move into this new thing, we gotta know where we're actually at so we can know where we're leaving and where we're headed. So when you came in, there was some paper and some colored pencils. Some of you had one colored pencil, some of you had two, okay? Money's short. <laughs> All right. So reach behind you. There's colored pencils in the little crack of your seat. Get that paper out. It's time for a project. Arts and crafts, baby. Hey, I want you to know how excited I was that y'all were gonna come in here, sit down, and have colored pencils on your seats. I could not wait for that to happen. Yeah, going back to elementary. Uh, what is that? I'm singing. Sorry. Excited, cheesy, corny. For the next several minutes, we're going to name reality. We're getting hecka practical. Hecka. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I'm so excited. I'm going to stop. Compose. focus, lead. All right. So whether you have one room, two rooms, three rooms, four rooms, the rooms that you give most of your time to when you're at home, you're going to draw them. Got an example here. Boom. I'm, I made this, as you can tell. A lot of screen grabs on this. Hey, that bed though, don't lie. That bed looks, that looks good. It's not a, and look, hey, look at my closet I made. There's hangers on the clothes. I, those are two separate images that I, you know, I had to drag and drop. The shoes, anyway. All right, so go ahead, begin drawing your room. Give the blueprint out. We're, we're gonna go step by step here. Draw the, the three to four primary rooms. Up to you. People are like, on, on one page, two pages? Well, hey, whatever, it's arts and crafts, baby. Be an artist, this is Nashville. But you are gonna make lists on these rooms. You wanna be able to write within the room or write outside the room, so that, maybe that helps guide you. I knew I wasn't ready for some of those questions. And perhaps, maybe you're a student and there's like a communal room, like a communal kitchen, but you spend a lot of time there. Maybe perhaps you could draw that too, but just wherever you spend your time. 
And the bedroom, living room, kitchen, those are just like ideas. You may have something else. Half of y'all are musicians, so you're like, what about my studio, dude? Sure. I don't know why that was the voice I used. None of y'all sound like that. What about my, what about my stud? The next part of the exercise, we're gonna pick one of the rooms you drew, just one. And then you can do the exercise for all the rooms. Ten seconds. All right, next step, pick a room, one room only, and put an X on where you spend most of your time in that room. So if it was a bedroom, you'd go, all right, this is pretty straightforward, right? My bed, uh, that, that desk, maybe I do homework, maybe I get ready for the day, that closet, maybe I pray there, maybe I get my clothes there, whatever. Just put an X. I'll give you 10 more seconds. This next part's the crucial part. We're gonna take inventory. This is where you start to win. For each of those X's, whether you have one, two, three, whatever, I want you to write down what you spend most of your time doing there. And I want you to be really honest. I'm gonna give some examples to help your mind. The bedroom. You have an X on your bed, okay? When I'm on my bed, I spend my time praying. I spend my time on my phone, on my computer, maybe social media, maybe porn, maybe YouTube. It's all okay. Just be honest. Take real inventory. Maybe you read. Maybe you get really anxious. Maybe you spend your time thinking about the next day. If there's thoughts that come up a lot, jot those down. Be aware of how you think when you're in that space. Some of you are like, man, I lay down and I go to sleep and that's the end of it. Great. This won't take you long. If it's the kitchen, maybe you're cooking, maybe you're eating, talking with roommates or family. Maybe you're like, my kitchen's where I rush to get out the door. I run, open that fridge, grab the thing, close the fridge, and I'm out. That's my kitchen. Like, whatever it is, but really think through your most normal days and name it. Your living room. Oh, I do quiet time there. I'm on my phone. I watch TV. I read. I nap. I hang with friends or families. I drink. Like, whatever. Whatever it is. Smoke a lot of weed. I know some of y'all. I know some of y'all do that. It's all good. We'll talk more later. I got a testimony. Name what it actually is, though. Don't front. Be real. I think I stepped on y'all's toes with that one. I'm gonna give you three minutes. Who needs more time? Are y'all good? Okay, next step. I need you to really lean in, guys. We gotta start thinking critically. How is that list of things you just wrote? 
how is it forming you? So ask yourself, if I did these habits and never stopped in 50 years, who would I become? And like really try to think, like try to think really practically, not like I'd become a bad person. Like, no, I don't do that. Like if I played video games for eight hours in my bedroom for the next 50 years, who would I be? How would it impact my social life, my mental health, my community, my lack of community? Like really think through it, chase it down. Maybe juxtapose it with your vision of where you're headed. See where there's disagreement. Maybe these three categories could help. What habits did you write down that you go, I hope I keep doing these because they're just helping me slowly but surely get better. Some of you are like, I like to read at night. It's like, yeah, that's amazing. Keep reading. Increases knowledge, keeps you sharp, keeps you imaginative. It's awesome, right? So not all of this is bad. I think all, a lot of us have really awesome rhythms. Write down the neutral ones. What's neutral? What's like neither here nor there? That is a prime candidate for a substitute where it's like not a bad thing, but you're like, man, if I did that instead, like I'd just be kind of growing <laughs> instead of this neutral activity. It's not all gotta be like sin and darkness that we're getting rid of, right? And be really honest about for the worse. What's the thing you're doing that you just, your future self isn't doing those things, but that's just like magically. You haven't stopped doing them, but you just know you're not doing that in the future. You're like, I'm not on my phone two hours before bed every day for the rest of my life, just, just right now. You know, just, just for this season, this decade. <laughs> And if you think it's forming you for the better or for the worse, really, why, how? What are the implications on your brain, on your view of yourself, your marriage or your future hope for marriage, your community, your idea of God, your anxiety, your pace? Like really think about the implications of your habits here. I'm gonna stop talking, sorry. Three minutes. None of this is shame-inducing, I promise you. Do not let shame be a part of this conversation. If you feel called out right now, if you're like writing down some things that you're like, dang, or you're thinking about some things that you're not gonna write down just in case your neighbor looks at it, there's no shame here, man. My bedroom used to be a place of addiction, of darkness, of just a lot of tough stuff, so no judgment. Everyone good? Most of us are good. If you're still going, keep going, ignore me, it's fine. So we've named what is. The, the rest of this month is about thinking what could be. So we're on a little bit of a cliffhanger this week. We're not gonna have any resolution. We just named what is. Some of y'all are writing down things you're like, God, that needs to change. I'm like, all right, see you next Sunday. Uh, yeah, but for the next four weeks, we're gonna dream really big, but also really simply. And in this space, as a church family, we are gonna unapologetically think through the filter of God's presence. But please hear me, your environment is forming you on all levels, not just your walk with God. So feel free to take this and expand it. How could my environment help me be sharper, smarter, learn more, be more physically fit, get better sleep, like nerd out. How can your bedroom start helping you, like assisting you in your formation? But we're gonna go after God um, 
The next four weeks, next week we're gonna talk about prayer and worship in the home on an individual and communal level. Then the week after, we'll talk about Bible in the home. Week after that, relationships. Week after that, hospitality and discipleship in the home, okay? How do you guys feel? You feeling all right? Do you you like this idea? Well, listen, I love it, so come on. (laughs) Love it, all right? Um, So for communion. There's, there's communion bowls on the inside chair every other row if you wanna grab, grab them, pass them around. And I, I wanna give you, I have four questions for us, but I think, I think I really just wanna hone in on question one to help jumpstart us a little bit. Yeah, I think I like that. Maybe I want to invite all of us to reflect on this one question. I just realized that just now. What is one idea you have for one room that could help your environment remind you of the peace and the presence of God? Okay? Some examples. Maybe the closet that you change clothes in becomes a prayer closet. And every day, whether morning or night, you spend at least 60 seconds on your knees in that closet telling God you love him and receiving his love while a long sleeve shirt just kind of drapes across your head. (laughs) I've done that. But I don't know why this is, but there's something about a smaller, more confined space that just gives me concentration. I I have a dry erase board in my closet. It's actually my... My, uh, my baby girl, my baby daughter, that's not here yet. It's her closet now, so I have to move it. But uh, she's so selfish already. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in that closet, on my knees, I've got a, a, a kitchen mat, but I put it in that closet because it's soft and, and, and hardwood's hard. And so I was, I'm on that prayer. And, and God has taught me in that prayer closet, don't measure quantity, don't measure quality, measure sincerity. Hit your knees for 60 seconds and tell them you love them and mean it and receive his love for you and mean it. And if that's all you do for the day, you hit your knees and go, God, I actually love you for real. Seriously, my life is yours today. All right, see you. Like, gotta go. Cool, but just make that your place. Maybe you have a Bible verse that you write and you place on the wall above your bed. It don't gotta look pretty. Guys, girls, it probably just will look pretty. (laughs) It's just how that goes. Meditate and pray on that verse. Maybe you see it above your your bed and you go, hey, before I lay down horizontally, I either hit my knees or sit on my bed and I just meditate on that verse. That's what I do every night. That's my non-negotiable. For at least a minute, I let that scripture roll in my mind, okay? Maybe it's putting duct tape on your TV remote and writing on it and saying, "Um, but like, God, you're here. I receive your presence, you're in this room. Like before you grab that thing, maybe it's changing your phone background. Anyone ever use that strategy? Right now, I, I had a goal for my breakfast and my background is, was for my breakfast this morning and I need to change it because it was only for this morning. But I love those little cues. But right now, it's been like 120 seconds going, what's one thing you could do in one room that will help you remember that God's presence is in your home and in your heart? So go ahead and think on that and then we're gonna share.